welcome to Wendy's Words of Wisdom. Today, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Tara Flynn. Hi. Hi, hi Wendy. Hi. I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> I haven't seen you in ages. I'm going to come clean. Uh, Tara is uh, currently staying in our house. I've been here forever, and <laughs> and they've just been so kind to me. It's uh, it's unreal. So um, It's almost like we like you. Well, it, it means you get to squat in my place in Dublin anytime you want, <laughs> forever. Can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. So, um... Here's a weird thing. You know when you've known someone for ages? Yeah. Um, I'm just readjusting myself on the sofa. We're going to get comfy. Ooh, get comfy and chat. Like um, you've known someone for ages, but you don't really ask them about sort of where it all began and where it all started. Because <laughs> I, I know you as um, we shared a room, a venue yeah. in the Gilded Balloon yeah. in, I want to say 2007? It was maybe later than that. I think it was 2009. 2009. Yeah. 2009. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you've been going for a long time before that. Long time. Where did it all begin for you? Well, I was an actor first. Um, I was doing that in Dublin, and uh, I sort of fell into comedy, which is, you know, it sounds weird. So many people now see it as a career, but but back when I was starting out, which was mid nineties, <laughs> only for the losers. <laughs> only for losers. Uh, yeah, no, it was really there was no money to be made from it, and there was no career, so it was just when your stuff was coming out funny um, and you were a comedy fan already, you'd hop up in the International Bar in Dublin and do something. It's kind a of glorious a venue. If you've not glorious been, you must go to oh, the International Bar. So great. Um, for those of you who have not been before, the, the biggest joke for me at the International Bar was there's no mic. There's no mic. There's and no, it's really noisy. It's like little, you know, reading lamps turned upside down with the lights. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, so it is, it's sort of raw in one way. It's It's sort of exposing because we realise how much we use mics to to kind of you know as a prop so yeah. some people take on a bottle of beer or something because they're they don't know what to something do with their hands on stage anymore or a blanket or a blanket yeah a little or a swing puppy. <laughs> yeah a little porch swing so, so you started there yeah well what happened was i was i was already a comedy fan so i used to go and watch the dublin comedy improv almost every week to the point that they started asking me to do the door they're going you shouldn't be paying for this anymore <laughs> <laughs> so I did the door and I did the odd workshop with them but I was just way too I, I just didn't think I was funny at all many people would still agree um, <laughs> but I just thought no they're, they're just me. so amazing I'm not going you're so kind uh, I, I just c- couldn't do it couldn't do that but I was doing the odd workshop with them um, and then uh, I at a party I met um, I already knew Anne and Sue um, and we, we started singing some songs late night at a party and we decided to write the songs up and we became the Nulas. Now the Nulas, amazing. Mad, I know, it, it went big very fast and uh, and I was actually not really ready to go into comedy then, I was I still thought I was an actor. So I only stayed with, with them for a year, well, but it was a mad year. Because I know who the Nulas are and anyone in comedy knows who the Nulas are, but for those of of us who don't know. Okay, so the Nulas are uh, three women from uh, indeterminate places in Ireland, <laughs> rural though, yeah. and um, uh, they all wear glasses and they sing. So they're a very, they take themselves very seriously. They're very serious singers. The songs are, are beautiful love songs, and but they're all a little bit twisted. Or, and they're um, quite dark. Aren't they, they can be dark, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and some of them are just, just good crack. And... Um, but yeah, so that's that's twenty one. They just had their twenty first anniversary. Yeah, I had to send them a little message because I wasn't there. But they had a twenty first anniversary gig uh, where all the all the middle nulas because Anne and Sue have stayed constant, and there's been a a revolving a middle nula, a, a nula. There's always been, there's always been a nula. Um, what, where's the name come from? Nula is is an Irish name. Oh, really? and we wanted something that sounded like the uh, like the Nolans that would give you an idea of of a kind of a a, ah, a girl a, an outdated girl, a girl band group. yeah a girl group um, possibly related maybe not but you wouldn't quite know <laughs> um, glasses and Nula yeah ah, and just so Nula but it's amazing how many people uh, call it Nualas and we were going oh we forgot this name just doesn't really exist outside of Ireland but yeah so we became the Nulas that was, and uh, it went very big very fast because it was it was such good fun really good fun to do but I went back to acting then started doing the improv with the lads everyone else was at Edinburgh and I was in Dublin and I think it was Michelle Reed. She's absolutely brilliant if you haven't she used to do stand-up she's now a brilliant uh, playwright and dramaturg 
and she is very fancy. There um, is going to be a barrage of names here because Tara knows everyone. So well, please uh, feel free to Google. And but you do though. But you, anyway, there's so many people that you're connected to throughout. Just been the around. When you've been around forever, <laughs> you knock you knock off them. You just brush <laughs> off them in clubs. Uh, but Michelle said to me, she rang me and she said to me, she said the lads are all in Edinburgh and and Dublin Improv won't go on tonight if you don't play. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. So that was your introduction to improv. You'd never done it before. I had done, I hadn't done it. I had done sort of acting improv, a couple of shows, but about 10 years prior to that. Oh, wow. And I had done some workshops with them. But I knew the lads, as I say, because I was the, I had been the door, the door guy for years. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple of years. Um, so I went on and I've, I've never come off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw you doing improv in L.A., how different is improv in Los Angeles to improv in the UK? Well, we favour, especially in a club situation, we don't have those tiny little theatres that are sort of dedicated to improv mm-hmm. or groups that are just dedicated to doing that all week. We don't have that. It's a luxury. I think it's amazing. But we tend to have um, short form here because we like a gag and we like a gag based short form is oh, I was just about to oh, yeah absolutely you're dead right because uh, some people don't don't see the difference they just think it's all made up so what's the yeah. difference <laughs> yeah short form is more gag based and games based it's faster and it's something you can do in a pub quite easily where people are getting a little bit leery and they want jokes uh. um long form there are different forms that I won't go into here. It's very technical. But lots of different forms or sort of shapes that you can put the show in. But everything within that shape is improvised. But it might be the person A plays with person B and then they have to play, B has to play with C. It can be that kind of thing. It can be much looser than that. But it's more theatrical and it doesn't have to be funny. Okay. So it's more like an improvised play. Right. Okay. Rather than short, quick scenes um, and not as focused on the gags. So... It's uh, it's definitely a more it, it it leads to more it can lead to more written stuff actually people can develop characters that they stay with uh-huh. out of it and that kind of thing whereas we just keep chopping and changing um, so there are more long form groups happening here um, both in Ireland and the UK but it's just not been our tradition so far and it's weird because improv long form or short form here is a bit of a poor relation whereas in the US it's prized it's where people will go to seek out new talent. Well, yeah, well, Tina Fey's kind of banging that drum, isn't she? Because that's where she came up through that. And yeah, and Amy Poehler. And almost every comic actor you see on TV, almost all of them have improv backgrounds. And uh, and really solid improv backgrounds. They've really, they've cut their teeth properly in it. And, and they know exactly what they're doing. But it's... Um, They've got and they've got better at what they do through it, mm-hmm. but here it's just not as prized. Well, like showstoppers, like showstopping musicals now, sort of breaking through and that sort of hitting the mainstream now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think that's so great because they've been doing that every Sunday. They've put the time in, and it's been sort of growing through word of mouth. And now you, you, Olivier Award-winning Olivier showstoppers, <laughs> it's just fab. But I mean, and that sort of thing. I mean, it's and it's up to basically up to they, Pippa they, they Evans and Ruth Bratt too. Pippa Evans and Ruth Bratt do the sort of they create and Ruth Bratt, who's been on the podcast prior to this, yeah. Um, they create a musical every single yeah. night, yeah, and it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's a and they're just so incredibly talented. It would make you want to give up, make you want to get <laughs> sick first and then give up. They're absolutely amazing, but it's brilliant when something like that. And but 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 it sort of annoys me then is people go. Oh, this is uh, there's nothing like this out there, and it's sort of like there's loads of it out yeah. there, but it just doesn't get the attention. But it's taken some incredibly dedicated, ta- super talented performers mm. to remind people that it's out there again. But also, I was amazed that with on improv because you think it's improv, it's improvisation. Uh, how many rules there are? Yeah, because there are quite a lot of rules, aren't there? Well, yeah. The, the main rule is, as everyone knows, and anyone who's read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, she she kind of lays it down for everyone, um, but. Yes, and is the main one, and that you know she. I love how she equates it to life. Think rules you can use in life, just you know yes, and so you accept whatever you've been offered, and you add something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I love that's the real only rule. It's kind of like kid, like when like Tara also has the unenviable task of being my youngest godmother. That is um, amazing. And they do that sort of when you play with a child, they kind of go yes and. And then it's a big monster, and you're like, "What color?" And yes, and 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 they yeah. just do that naturally, don't they? Yeah. It's kind of, I guess, it's quite finding your inner child. Well, yeah, it's one of the reasons I love, it, I love doing the improv. Is uh, doing Dublin improv is is because you get to play, 
you get to re-engage with that bit of your brain where you don't know what, what's coming next. And not only is that a good thing, but it's a really, really fun thing. Do you ever have find yourself in a position of going, oh my God, what the hell are we going to do with this? N- no, because uh, first of all, you've got a team and, and with the team, th- there comes a little bit of telepathy. And also, uh. you can't say anything wrong. Where that happens is when people are judging themselves and going, I'm going to say something wrong. You, it might not what you say next won't be funny but you'll it might, might not be funny it might be you don't know until you've said it and the audience responds but what you can know is you you'll always say something because you're there with your team and all you have to do is give them something back uh. so they could say you know shut that door and you could say well the it's sticking at the bottom i'll fix it now you know yeah you kind of it's when you try and um edit uh. if you try and edit and judge it you are absolutely <laughs> screwed. Yeah. How mad. So you've gone, you went on from improv and then you've um, sort of, I saw, for those of you who haven't seen it, you must see Tara's racist B&B, <laughs> which that kind of uh, sort of stamped your mark in satire, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I'd been working on various satirical shows down through the years and, you know, submitting the odd line here or there. But, you know, good satire really comes out of anger. And I had always said I wasn't a political comic and I still don't feel I am. But very much in Ireland at the moment, the personal is political and the political is personal. We saw that with the marriage equality referendum um, and things were gearing up for that. So before Racist B&B, I had actually done a take on, uh, there's a very well-funded, and I won't name them, but there's a very well-funded organisation in Ireland that um, basically challenges social progress. It's a very conservative Catholic organisation and it opposes social progress and they have money to make videos (laughs) about opposing social progress, but it's sort of, you know, lovely uh, pink and blue graphics and twinkly music. And so it sounds quite harmless, but it's actually, I see it as pretty dangerous. So I had made a couple of responses to those videos and then Racist B&B was was completely personal. after Game Mom and Dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. The the case for Mammy Daddy Marriage um, was first. And then... You all those videos. You've got a YouTube channel, don't you? Sorry? You've got a YouTube channel, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, there's not a ton on it, but what there is is really angry. (laughs) Um, It doesn't seem angry. When I watch it, it doesn't seem angry. It seems... Well, it comes from anger. It's a way of channeling it. But it it doesn't... You don't look at it and go, well, she's angry. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Unlike when you go on somebody's timeline on Twitter that sends you an insult and you look through what they've said and you're like, oh doesn't count from you because you're just mean to everyone but that's the thing you see it's channeling it because otherwise i would just be on twitter all day i make videos and then i can so if somebody says what do you think about it and go here <laughs> here it is it's three minutes long that's what i think um but yeah so my, my husband who uh, as wendy knows but um for people who don't my husband's african-american and he lives in ireland with me and ireland's a pretty great place we are pretty socially progressive in most ways i'm sure we'll get on to some of the ways in which we aren't later um but um there are still of course there are people everywhere there's racism everywhere and uh, i suppose my privilege veil my blinkers were firmly on because that's what happens when you have privilege you don't see you don't do you um and i i suppose it was when my husband got racist abuse and I was there to witness the aftermath, the direct aftermath. And this was in your hometown, wasn't Yeah, it? and that's significant only because um, it happens all the time. But because my hometown is small, he was home very quickly after it. And I could see the physical after effects okay. of just, I'm going to say just advisedly, but just verbal abuse. It goes straight to a person's core. Um, it rattles them physically. That's that's certainly what happened to my husband. And the onus is on the person w- w- land, not to escalate it. Words land. Of course they, they don't, do. They don't just bounce off you. Well, there are certain words as well that we can let bounce. And there are certain words that go so deep into the core. And we've been told they go into the core. And when you know that and you use it, you're using it with the intent to hurt. So I was I was as rattled as he was. Um but he didn't want to do anything about it. He didn't want to report it to the police because for him it was sort of this is an everyday thing. You've just seen you've just seen the aftermath. Um and 
I couldn't, it was just, it, it rattled me so much. It, it lived with me. It stayed with me. And there's that thing where you must feel slightly responsible because you brought him to your hometown. Well, yeah, but the point, the point isn't the town, and I really have to be careful about this because I've been told I'm destroying tourism there. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so it's not, the point isn't that town. But don't, but don't point the views is, make up for the racism? Hmm? Don't the views make up for the racism? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. Um, because the views come with another, another thing. But sorry, just to address the fact that the point is my hometown's really welcoming really cosmopolitan and so if it can happen there it, it is happening everywhere uh, that that's a really you know important point to make it's so welcoming it's you know it, it has always embraced people of other cultures but that element is in every town that's what it showed me in my stupid white privileged blinkered world it opened up the world to me a little bit and it made me check my own privilege and um and it made me make a video <laughs> so where i own a and b and racists are welcome because we're being chased out of places. We're just not being tolerated. And why shouldn't we, because free speech, say whatever we want? So, um. It's a very funny video. You have to check it out. It's Thank very funny. you. Um, so you did that in reaction to, and you've, you've like, there's, there's other videos on your YouTube channel. Yeah. That get you fired up in your belly. But what I think what, because Wendy's words of wisdom, as I have to explain to every guest, is not about my words of wisdom. It's about your words of wisdom. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Fury, fury, rage, channel your rage. That's I mine. I know, but you know, the stuff, I mean, having sort of you staying here for an extended Ever. period of time. <laughs> I, You know, you see people trolled on the internet and I have to say, sometimes when people say, I'm really upset, somebody said something nasty to me, nasty to me on the internet, I'm like, come on, what, what we do is we put our head above the parapet. People yeah. are going to shout things. Yeah, true. Um, and I think, I know, you know, it's bad, but come on. But the stuff that you get online is really quite hideous and I'm really intrigued and yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to sit here picking scabs for you because... No, nope. it's fine. But... Um, you have been very active in a certain campaign in Ireland, and I'm not going to try and explain it because I think you can explain it much better. Sure, absolutely. So in Ireland, um, not only is abortion illegal, which um, basically we've had our governments had our, their knuckles wrapped by pretty much every human rights group you can name, Amnesty in particular, um, and uh, the, you know Europe and everyone. We're not in line. We we aren't human rights compliant on that on that level um but not only is abortion illegal there and not only do 12 women travel to the uk today to access health care something i only learned this year there's there's at least I, I don't know how many clinics there are in liverpool but there's definitely one that offers a discount to irish women just a compassionate discount to acknowledge the fact that they've had to pay for travel and accommodation as well as the procedure um, Irish women have abortions later than women in all, in other countries because they have to organise time off work. That's and the women who can travel. Well. Yeah, that's the women who can travel, um, and can because of finance, can because of they they they're, they're not um, uh, because disabled people sometimes can't travel. Um, people um, uh, refugees and, and asylum seekers can't travel because of visa restrictions. Um, so it's the vulnerable and, and underprivileged well. and yeah and and the youngest. They are the ones who are targeted by our cruel laws. But our laws are there and difficult to change because there was an amendment to our constitution. Um, I'm not even going to get the date right. I think it's 1983. Uh, but uh, the Eighth Amendment to the constitution states that the um, the fetus and the woman basically are, are have the same right to life. Uh, so... And in fact, in one previous version of the um, of the amendment, one t um, one sort of one that was put forward initially was that the the right of the fetus topped the life of the woman. But they pulled back to say that they were equal. So the thing is, our our doctors can't act. Uh, our women can't make their. We don't have bodily autonomy in Ireland. I don't have right. The minute I get pregnant, I have very very few rights. The state can act on my behalf. Which is and also what's, what I find quite extraordinary is also in Northern Ireland, mm. which is part of the UK, mm -hmm. if, in case you're confused, because that's what all the fighting was about, <laughs> um, it's still part of the UK, but it's the same thing. Northern Irish women have um, pay into the UK tax system, yeah. but aren't but don't have equal the rights. same rights as the rest of the UK. I say it every now and again, and I wonder whether we shouldn't stop paying taxes till we have equal rights. And I wonder how quickly they would address it then, because in, in the Republic of Ireland, they don't want to talk about it. We have uh, we had a general election back in February. 
I thought things there's still no government. Change. Um, so, uh, but they won't. They're, they're, some of them are acknowledging now that they're going to have to deal with it, and, and at least give us a referendum. Because if the majority in Ireland don't want equal rights for women, we'll have to abide by that. I but just please find it give us the opportunity. That um, we're not. You're not allowed to decide what happens in your own body. No, you're not. And it's not like people want to use abortion as another means of contraception. No, but that's the sort of stuff people will say, and they'll say they'll conflate it with. Um, uh, you know, uh, term people terminating a, a a fetus that they know has a disability, or and it's like you know, well then campaign to support parents of people with disabilities. Well, yeah. You know, um, or do you something know, positive. Rather do something than positive. There, yeah. But it's like uh, they are actually what they are actually campaigning for is for women to have later abortions because that's you know, the abortion's still going to happen, and we have the right to travel once we get pregnant. So it's a hypocritical stance. Um, abortion is happening in Ireland. It's just not safe but also or if, legal. If, if, the op- if the other option is to have a child into this world that is not wanted yeah, and that is not going to have a very nice life, you'd rather have a child with a life of misery. Well, they, uh, they're not. They're not campaigning for child homelessness. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not campaigning for any of the stuff. They're, they're campaigning really for forced birth, and that's what makes me very upset and, and chilled. Um, because the other thing is. They'll say things like, uh, adoption is always an option. Well, not if the pregnancy itself is the terror. Yeah. You know, you can't say what a crisis is for someone else. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> not an easy, it's not a walk in the park. Let me tell you. But so recently I spoke about my own experience of having to travel to the Netherlands for an abortion in 2006. Um, I had a crisis pregnancy. I had taken a morning after pill. I've written about it extensively, so you know it's, it's, it's out there. I don't want to turn this into a lecture. But um, it, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to do that in Ireland, and, but a few of us are, and, let's not and forget, more are coming. Let's not forget that sharing that. It's not like, you're, you're, one, the decision to have an abortion is not taken lightly, no. and two, the decision to share that yeah. is not a light decision. And it's a painful thing that you've gone through that you're opening up your wind to let yeah. people see. Well, well, exactly. And and it's never easy to talk about. It. And people go, oh, you, you know, even recently I spoke about it again at a public event. And uh, someone said, you, you, you know, you're, you're fine with talking about it now. And I went, I'll never be fine with talking about it. Um, I feel I have to. And I'm proud to. Um, because I think, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. We have to talk. Talking about it is the only thing that's going to tackle the stigma, which is in every country, whether it's yeah. legal or not. Yeah. All that happens in Ireland is that the stigma is backed up by our law and our constitution. It's just so alarming. So it is alarming. But but since I've spoken out about it, of course, <laughs> I've become a target for all kinds of trolling. You know, it's like race and abortion. We, we you know, between myself and Carl, we get all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we do get, actually, you know what? I do want to say we get a ton of support, an absolute ton of support. And that makes it feel good and right to have shared it. But what's extraordinary is when they, whenever you say to somebody, what's your, the best compliment you've ever had, you struggle to find the best compliment yeah. you've ever had. But if I asked you what the worst insult was, I bet you could name five or six. And I'm not yeah. asking you to. I'm mm. just saying what lands and what's really awful about our, the human psyche is that the horrible stuff seems to yeah. inveigle well, its way in. Well, it's kind of like... With even with with online stuff um, or or stuff people might even say to you in, in the flesh, and sometimes in the flesh they try and couch it in decent language. Did they speak? Did it come? Because I always thought you'd get attacked online. Does oh that no, happen? you well if you're you know if you're speaking publicly, it's one of the reasons I won't do debates because first of all I don't think it's a debate. The debate, the only topic for the de- for debating is: Do you believe women should have equal rights or not? Do you believe that? Um, and like an equal right sounds like a sort of flagship, like, like, like a, a campaign. It's not that. It's just, please, can I do what I feel is I, right for my body? Can I have my privacy? Yeah. And can can I, I talk to my doctor on my own without the state's intervention? It is. That's so, what it is. It's Dickensian. It's yeah. Completely, and then that, that girl in Northern Ireland that was, like, she was sent to prison for three months, I think, but it does carry a sentence of... 21 years I think yeah it's 14 oh. it's 14 in Ireland in, in the Republic of Ireland oh, it's, it's, it's life up to life in the north yeah and um, and what happened was her she um, ordered pills online to induce an abortion mm-hmm. and her housemates told on her yeah her housemates shopped her and so now she has a conviction um, she hasn't been put in prison but she has a criminal record and the point is the criminalization is a massive 
trauma and an, uh, you know it's just a, a horrendous it's it's witch burning brought into the 21st century it's, it's it's like it's her it's her body she was 19 she wasn't able to cope she wasn't ready and she made a choice and you know she she took a pill it was very 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 early term and i think it's quite a responsible thing to do as a 19 year old to go do you know what i'm going to deal with i'm not this? able for this so i will I'm not, yeah i'm not coping you know, but many people don't agree with that. Um, and I'm just like, well, it's, it's, you know, then don't, then don't have one. And if you get pregnant, I hope no one in your family has a crisis pregnancy. Because they also say, you know, you're not long becoming pro-choice pro when you, uh, when, when you're faced with a crisis pregnancy. Yeah. You or someone you love. Um, and the point is, it's happened to most families in Ireland. You know, either people have en enough kids already and they simply can't finance another one um people who, whose contraception has failed um and it's people just gonna have to acknowledge that since since people started becoming pregnant people decided what whether they were able for the pregnancy or not mm -hmm. they must be the only one who decides that so that's what we need yeah. and um you know I'll, I'll take a bit of online abuse it's fine um, it's not fine. It's horrendous, Tara. Yeah, it and is. I, and 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 I have to say, you're very strong. But watching what you get, I'm mm. just appalled. And I kind of feel like I'd love to, as somebody who cares for you, I'd love to be able to do something to protect you. But you kind of go, oh my! I just, I just don't understand. I do not understand. I do not. I do not understand. Sorry, I do not do food on the brain. <laughs> um, I don't understand. Why people get so angry about things that is none of their business? You see, they will. Some people, some people, it's about control, and uh, some it's a very, very deep um, base level misogyny. Some people absolutely, completely, and sincerely believe that it's murder, um, and we're never ever going to oh, really? bring them round. Yeah, they just they believe they believe, and it is their entitlement to believe this. They believe that from conception there is personhood. So would they rather you kill yourself than kill the baby? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. That's very interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they would. That's Well, that's what the Constitution actually, that's what it brings about. That is what it ultimately says. You're a kill vessel. Kill yourself, not the baby. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But suicide was one of the, they didn't want to include suicide in the um, Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act in 2013. And that if you were suicidal, you would be assessed by six six medical professionals six so you're already in a crisis pregnancy you're already trauma sorry i get very um uh i'm just so angry um I'm sorry and then to, make you to go in, in front of a board of six that's one of my videos is a judge jury and obstetrician and it's about it's about the, who would be on that jury and it's like I, okay it's very it's very broad and it's furious it's not even funny um, but it's a sketch where they're going, she wasn't even sitting near the window, let alone looking like she was going to jump out. How can we believe her? It's just her word against our. Like, you know, that's what it boils down to, though. And that's why I'm furious. So, yes, they would rather that. That is, but that is, and they will say, no, 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 I wouldn't. And I wouldn't put you in prison. I don't think you're a murderer. I wouldn't put you in prison. But ultimately, that is the core of what their argument is. And that's the core of what they say to me. Some people have said I should be in prison. Some people do call me a murderer. Um, see, it it hurts as a sort of a, somebody wants to hurt me. Somebody thinks I should be harmed. It hurts on that level. It doesn't hurt me in terms of my choice because I don't believe that. I don't share that belief. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, what you're then back to is one ideology being imposed on a whole nation. And who decided this? Oh, oh God, don't even get into that. <laughs> we need to go way but back you know, to that. Like, I mean, I, I remember calling you on my birthday and saying, I'm going to watch a film today. I'm going to watch the Magdalene Sisters. And you were like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I kind of... The last one closed in 1992. 92? Mm-hmm. That late? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And Sorry, there still hasn't I'm been often, reparation. The church hasn't offered reparation yet. So basically, th these were like... Um, slaves. They were slaves and they were sent there because they were fallen women mm -hmm. who had got pregnant. Or mm -hmm. And also what I find is... Fallen or vulnerable. So it would yeah. be a well, way no, to sorry, get rid of someone commas. who wouldn't be taken taken out of the house by a man, basically. It was a way to... Not that they haven't they got a job and a roof over their heads. But basically, they they bolstered the Irish economy for, you know, a hundred years. And they were like in these... 
workhouses essentially because yep. they'd but what's really in- interesting about this whole thing is that there's no responsibility on the man for getting the woman pregnant no it's just so the woman's doing so you have to take care of the con you know yeah so and of course contraception yeah you illegal. again it's the misogyny you opened your legs deal with it slut oh my another God. thing i get told oh really yeah <laughs> Oh, God, the misogynistic God ones God are the best ones. Really? Mm, mm. <laughs> Can we have your top 10 misogynistic <laughs> tweets? <laughs> but I mean, do, you do, know. Do, do, and it's like, well, I, I sometimes try and remind them. I go, you know what? You're taking a pop at me. I'm not amnesty. I'm not a politician or an elected representative. I'm in public life for comedy. And I've opened up on this. But when you say that, you're saying that to a woman who has told you about a crisis she had. And her cho- the choice that she made to deal with that. Yeah. It's not none of your business. It's not an organization. You're just having a pop at someone who, you know, is, is still, you know, it, it's still an emotional thing to talk about. And that's the other thing. They just assume that if you're strong and you're, you're mouthy, that it's all fine. But every time I talk about it, my legs shake, yeah. you know. Um, I'm sorry to ask you about No, it's listen, it's, listen, it's so important, important to, talk to talk about, about it. it. And, if, and if you can't talk about a nice squishy velvet sofa. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There are so many people who can't talk about it, will never talk about it. And here's the other thing, they shouldn't have to. It's so deeply it's so private. Yeah, it's, it's private. So personal. It's so private. It should be, it's ultimately the woman's uh, choice. It's also, you know, in a family situation, the woman and her partner woman and her doctor and it's a responsible choice sometimes it's not like it's yeah. a sort of flippant do you know what it's a tuesday i don't fancy being pregnant on a tuesday it's not that we have to talk about the women who don't can't afford to travel though what they do to themselves to because in a crisis pregnancy speaking from experience if you can't get the medical help you need you will do what you have to do oh really yeah and that's why there are still coat hanger protests women go with coat hangers and stand outside government buildings and you know and people say, that's not happening. That's not happening today. Close your eyes all you want. That is happening in Ireland today. I remember being in, I think it was Pennies in Dublin, and looking around and thinking, there's something really unsettling. And I was looking around and, and, I, and I remember thinking, oh my God, there's loads of young girls with babies. Mm. The young girls that you'd see shopping in Topshop or in Primark in London, a lot of them don't have babies with them and I mean that might be their their choice they may have got pregnant and it might have been the most joyous thing in the world and it may well have been but it's unusual I find it unusual yeah to see young girls with babies in the same place there are certain because we travel the country I know where the hot spots for IVF are and I <laughs> you, you know once once you know that you see a lot more twins and triplets yeah yeah so once you're once that sort of spidey sense is on you you notice it well that's the other thing i mean you speak about ivf and you and you speak i speak about the joyous joyous births that being pro-choice is all about supporting whatever the woman decides and um whatever it is and good good post you know postnatal care um you know support for lone parents it's it involves all of that. It's not actually about abortion, and the Eighth Amendment isn't actually about abortion. The Eighth Amendment is about autonomy and privacy. Oh, is it at so its what, at its core? The Eighth Amendment no, no. It's then? The, it says that the right, right the fetus and the the bearer of the fetus have mm-hmm. the the same right to life equivalent. Okay. But what that boils down to is autonomy and privacy, because mm-hmm. once you get pregnant, you lose both. God, I read a really interesting thing about getting pregnant when um. What I find interesting is because when you do get pregnant, you feel healthy and alive, but you're treated as if something's wrong with you. Mm, So you have to go for checkups and and you're like, hang on, I'm growing life. And in in this part of your brain going, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm doing okay here. But it's almost like the medical profession want to wade in and go, right, stand back. We're going to check you out here because something's (laughs) wrong with you. And there is somewhere in the back of your head going, "But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely growing life. I'm pretty sure I'm the healthiest yeah. You can be, but you're treated like there's something wrong. And don't get me started on being a, a pregnant at 38 because <laughs> I was told I was a geriatric mother. I know, it's a funny term. It's well, funny you say term. it's funny, it's really quite hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I'm growing a baby. No, 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 you're geriatric now. So let's go through all the things that are wrong with you now that you're, you know, 
growing <laughs> growing oh. life yeah yeah it's funny though because you say you know i mean the reason the reason i knew i was the reason i found out i was pregnant because i'd taken a morning after pill was i know drama queen i thought i was dying <laughs> i didn't know what was wrong with me i was falling asleep on the floor i would sit down on the floor when i got home and i'd fall asleep there and i was really ill i thought i was dying i didn't know from a hole in the road what was wrong with me um and then as you know, and I've got a mug of it in front of me. I absolutely adore my coffee in the morning. It's just, it's, it's my ritual. It's like, it's such a lovely thing to me. And mum always used to love coffee as well. And I started going, oh God, oh, coffee. Oh, I was going, what is wrong with me? I'm definitely dying. <laughs> and this cannot be normal. And then I remembered talking to mum when I was very young about did you have cravings when I was a baby and mum said no I didn't have any cravings I did have an aversion though as you know I love coffee and I went off coffee and I went ding ding told my friend about it and she said uh, you should do a pregnancy test and I went no 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 I took a morning after pill I've never I've been having sex for decades I have never <laughs> been pregnant I am responsible I am really good at I sex. am so responsible <laughs> and great at sex and um, I, and I know I'm not pregnant and she said you do 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 a pregnancy test so I did one with her <laughs> and it was positive and I didn't know you you can't get a false positive that's how they work you can get a false negative but you yeah. can't get a false positive because it's desperately looking for yeah you know. hormones yeah and it found plenty so um sh- she said why don't we get another one because she knew but she was going Okay. To be fair, with I was Riley, I did like five tests. <laughs> so yeah, four, four later, I, I was, I finally had to admit. No, you know, I, I, I and then she said, "What are you going to do?" <laughs> but the, the abortion thing is—I mean, the abortion thing sounds like I'm being flippant, but oh, I think no, the no. way women are treated around pregnancy—I mean, I don't know if I told you this. When I got pregnant with Riley, um, Stephen, my husband, is a lot younger than me, and we had a few pregnancy tests. Yeah. And then we thought he was doing a play in the West End, and on the way back home from the theatre, he said. Let's go into this clinic and just double check again. So we went to see this doctor in this drop-in clinic in Soho. Oh, yeah. And we did a pregnancy test. And she said, so it's positive, you're pregnant. And we were delighted. And she said, she turned and looked at Stephen and went, and is this good news? (gasps) And we went, yeah. And she said, she looked at Stephen and went, but you're so young. Oh, Lord. This was a female doctor. That's so intrusive. And I just felt crushed. Yeah. Because she was like, sympathizing with my partner that he'd got this old this woman i was gonna say old lady i don't know if she was even making the judgment on my age yeah. she, just, she was making the judgment on him yeah and i just yeah. remember thinking my god what chance do we stand if you're meant to be on our side where mate? are our sisters yeah i know <laughs> do you know what i mean but you see we've that's why you know that's why it's important to have the the f word conversations it's important to have feminist discussions and it's important to keep calling that stuff out and going you know I'm not getting head up about it but I have a right to get head up about yeah. it but however I'm not I'm just saying that happened and the reason that happened is because there's a low level hum of mm, mm. the old women yeah their old pregnancies and their old well then the next conversation we and should had. the lad's freedom now will be impinged yeah. upon and poor, poor him getting tied down <laughs> yeah. by the yeah. by, by this woman life <laughs> that he's about to welcome into the world i was just really astonished not congratulations or anything because obviously yeah. then her next conversation would have been how to deal with this problem rather than riley who is just the light of my oh, life oh he's so brilliant but he's so brilliant ext- you know and also it, whether we had the baby or not that's a discussion we have, not that a doctor. Not you, yeah, not you lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, you're you're opening up a, a huge, um, a huge discussion, which I think it's really important that, that people have, not just women, um, because families are made up of all all genders, yeah. and um, you know, it, we need we need to tackle the sexism, and we need to just you know look at maternity and that it isn't an illness, and and uh, and look at support for for women and. Uh, you know, many, many men are so progressive now and families are progressive and the, you know, labor is shared and, and all of that. We are moving forward in many ways in the West. But, you know, there there is a greater discussion to be had about about society's view of women is still I think so, yeah. quite domestic. It is. And also, like, we have this sort of argument where um, 
whenever I see, like on Facebook, one of the boys on, and one of my male friends saying, I'm at home tonight, I'm babysitting. I'm kind of like, no, you're not babysitting. Mm-hmm. You're parenting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. And also, yeah. there is that thing where, and I th- to a certain extent, I think we still do it when I'll be at work. And I'll cut and my and Stephen will have the children all day. Yeah. And I'll come home, but I'll still feel like it's my turn to take over, even though I've been at work and make yeah. the food. And that division of labor is not, is not the same. And it's, it's not the same. And you know, and we, you know, things we learn and that seep in because it's in a system. It's very hard to to rattle us ourselves out of it. it is, you know, it's it? very hard. Um. You know, it, it's funny even dealing with it in terms of, of white privilege and Carl's experience, my husband's, you know, when you are when you are the beneficiary of a system, it's very easy not to notice who oh, yeah. the system is penalizing. Very easy not to notice. More comfortable, cushy, if you will. So it's um, it's it's I totally get it. I mean, I, I and I understand why I've accepted certain things, certain sexist um premises <laughs> i've accepted them because because that's what i've learned and it does there's certain things that do suit you i guess well what i mean is the person benefiting from the from the privilege so like men don't have to see they don't yeah. have to see um women's lack of safety you know when they're on their own they don't have to see things like that because they don't experience it well we were talking about this because um the other night that was it yesterday it was last night in fact talking to my friend nick duty who's a comedian who is yet to do the podcast um we were talking about having a go at someone in a comedy club. Oh. And uh, if someone has shouts at me on stage, I kind of, in the back of my head, kind of think, I mm, hope I'm going to be okay getting the tube home tonight. Yeah. Whereas he doesn't have, he just yeah. attacks back. Yeah. So when I leave the comedy club on my own and get the last tube home, there is that sort of, yeah. I mean, I don't agonize about it, but I do think. Mm. No, but you'd, you'd be unwise not to think about it because it happens all the time. So, you know, the last tube home is is a worry for every woman, and you know, as and, you say, and guys as well. I guess it doesn't stop yeah. us, but we have to be more aware. We have yeah. to have our keys in our hands, always, All always that. keys and phone, <laughs> just just in case. Yeah. And also, um, we were laughing that well, we weren't, weren't laughing. It wasn't funny, but um, <clears throat> Nick was saying that if somebody walks up behind him, he thinks, "Oh God, I'm going to get mugged," and I said, "If a guy walks up behind me, I think, oh God, I'm going to get raped." And mm. He was like, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah." Mm. Yeah, if it's late at night and a guy walks up behind me. Yeah. And also, you're not meant to walk away quickly if you cross the road and they cross the road. That, and like, and we were talking about, I think a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about people who do that just to rattle women. Yeah, sometimes. For a laugh. Yeah, yeah, that sometimes people people know that. And yeah, I've, I've heard that. And it is, it's a, you know, it's just, it's about being, you have to be wise. You have to just be as cautious as you can. But the problem is, you shouldn't have to be <laughs> i mean it's just horrible that you have to be but you know safety has to come safety has to come first and it's just i do love that new school of thought and it's like don't tell women not to get raped tell you know young men from school age not to rape you know oh, yeah um and they're teaching consent classes in certain um irish universities and stuff now and it's it's rattled That's some people saying yeah but it's like First of all, I think university's a little late, late yeah. but it's a start. It's Especially a start. given that they've all got access to porn at 13. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and or, you see, and, you know, Irish sex ed is, it leaves a lot to be desired as well because many of the schools are Catholic. But um, consent, it's rattled some people because they're saying, you're telling me that I'm a potential rapist, you know. And it's like, well, no, don't look at it that way. Just look at it as a way to, you know, support your female students and you know uh, it's just it's brought up some interesting discussions so but again feel under attack do they the, pr- the, priv- the pr- beneficiaries of privilege don't need to see yeah. what's happening to the people who aren't the beneficiaries of it i know that it all sounds very highfalutin and you know it sounds very grand really to be talking about systems point. but that's where it comes from it's a really interesting point and t- talking to boys about consent like talking to the boys about like obviously max is 11 so we're, we were like talking about consent He's like, well, I'd never say no. I'd, I'd never say um, I'd force myself on a girl. No. Ever. And you're like, well, you know, but you need to know what forcing yourself on someone sounds like. Yeah. And feels like. Yeah. Because there's a difference between persuading. And boys do are, are programmed to want sex when they're, I don't know what age it is, it starts. I have been told you have to do, you have to touch my penis, it's medical. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> but, um, what else would I want to ask you? About? Oh, so um, 
you um so you're 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 now a, you've a figurehead now I guess. Oh Lord, don't say that. But you, but uh, you start. You, you've got this sort of whole wave behind you. Well, there are a few of us. You see, it's it's kind of a move. It's one of the reasons why when I told my own story, I told it with Amnesty International. They had asked me to do an event. They had asked me to chair a My Body, My Rights panel. Because if people don't know, Amnesty International uh, are running a global campaign called She Is Not a Criminal, supporting women who are criminalised for having abortions all around the world, Ireland being one of their focuses. I know. So, I'm sorry to laugh. I, I just kind of find it so alarming that you think, oh, and this is a campaign directed at third world countries who probably don't understand the concept of um, women being criminalised. Mm. And then you're like, Ireland. Mm, next door, next is door to here. Uh, I know. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, there is a petition if people want to sign it. Uh, just go to Amnesty. She's not a criminal. Um, um, Ireland change your abortion laws. There's one of those as well. So it's a specifically Irish one. Um, Amnesty International Ireland. Um, but um, yeah, so I they had asked me to, Colm O'Gorman, who's the executive director of Amnesty Ireland, had asked me if I would chair the My Body, My Rights panel. And I had uh, done a few talks with him for the marriage equality referendum. And so I knew him a little bit and I said, okay, I have something to tell you. And I, I suppose I was, I was also uh, um, spurred on, encouraged, uh, inspired by people telling their own very personal stories during the marriage equality referendum. People canvassing on doorsteps and telli telling their lives. And I thought they were so brave. And I, I also then felt a little bit of a fraud. I thought, I can't campaign for this anymore from the sidelines. I have to say, I'm one of, I'm one of the people I'm talking about. So I asked Colm, did I think did he think it would be useful if if I didn't share it but that I shared the yeah. story and he said yes and uh so they were very supportive um really incredibly supportive I don't think I could have done it without them but the next day the so next day <laughs> it's okay <Sorry>. it's my <laughs> conscience really <laughs> uh, so uh, the next day my phone went crazy there was uh, because uh, Carol Hunt, uh, who was also on the panel, um, she wrote an article for the Sunday Independent in Ireland um, about about it, about how we have to talk about it and we have to talk about it in our terms. And you know, Tara Flynn t did mm -hmm. this yesterday. There wasn't a press or media outlet in Ireland that didn't call me the next day, um, and I was officially on holiday, so I sort of let the phone ring. And um, when they emailed me, I just said, look, I am on holiday. But there is another thing at play here. Two things. I knew other people were coming. I knew Roisin Ingle, who's an Irish Times journalist. I knew because we had been talking during the summer. I knew she was coming. Her book was being released the following week. And I knew she'd included her own story. Uh, I knew she was coming. So I knew that suddenly then, if, if it wasn't just me, and if I didn't make it about me, it would become more of, it would seem like more a movement a moment it turned out what it, that's what it was so it was not about me because I read Roisin Ingle's article yeah yeah and she's she's incredible she's been brilliant about about you know giving people on all sides of you know of the of the argument a platform and um, letting us share our, our stories there in the Irish Times as well and it's been so it's so helpful and supportive and and great for getting the word out but um it's a it's a strange it's a strange one because people people want the story they want the news and I said okay I'm not the news the news is that twelve people are traveling today yeah the news is that the people who can't afford to aren't or aren't able to are are harming themselves today um or they're buying pills online and they're risking fourteen years in prison so it's not about me it's but but what I'm saying is you wouldn't know yeah. you're not gonna know also, it can happen to you it can happen to you um. So that was my story was it's not about me. And what was great then was Roisin told her story. Then more and more people shared their stories. The March for Choice was only three weeks later. I was already booked to MC it. Mm. So suddenly, so it's not so much that I'm a figurehead as loads of people are feeling confident enough now to to speak. And uh, I'm one of them. Um, loads yeah. of people are going, okay, t throw, throw at me what you've got. Throw all the shame at me you want, but we're not going to put up with this anymore. Um, and you can say that it's too divisive an issue. It's not, what, it's not divisive. It's, well, also, it's urgent. Also, I think Ireland showed how progressive they are because when they voted for um, marriage equality, marriage yeah. equality you're kind of like, well... It, that's a different sell, though. It's different to stand on someone's doorstep 
and and tell your story of love it's because it's only people it's very few people don't respond to that i like i want to be happy i want my sons and daughters to be happy i want you to be happy young man standing on my doorstep right. um is different to i believe you're a murderer and i don't i i, th- I think this will stop you the point is they're not stopping anyone they're not stopping anyone they're just making it harder and more unsafe yeah because if you because you're driving it underground yeah you're driving it underground you're making it more expensive more risky and and more more lethal in some cases so uh, i i just don't think we can stand for that anymore and you you're yet to find the government <laughs> in yeah <laughs> yeah i so don't know when this is going out but it could be even if it's in two years time they may still not have formed a government oh, really? who knows who knows What's they're still in talks then? it's just it's been two months at this stage and oh, i don't know they're talking about talking about talking they just they're negotiating will will these old rival parties go into coalition or not so oh listen so we, we don't we don't it's even functioning know. fine without them so <laughs> i say get a big central kitty and ditch the whole idea let's have some anarchy it seems to be going fine <laughs> well, um i'm sure there are women throughout ireland that are very very grateful for you opening up well I d- and sharing I and and i know it's not about being grateful but yeah it's about solidarity yeah. yeah it's about knowing that you know when i said at the march for choice you know to the women who are traveling today we're we're all of us because there was a massive turnout we're here w- when you come home we're here so even though our law might not support you our government might not want to talk about you we're all here and we're loud now mm. so screw them we're going to give you a hug when you come back it's you know really we're not going to judge you it's important that they know that that there's a very large because the woman sitting next to them in the office very likely has been in exactly the same position the woman standing in front of you at the bus stop. You know, and it's important not to erase trans men as well who can find themselves in this situation, people, non-binary people. Um, and so it's not just women, but I say women as a sort of a short, yeah. quick, way to, yeah. <laughs> quick way to say wombs. But obviously I don't, I <laughs> don't want to erase, yeah. <laughs> you know, other people who, who have wombs. Yeah. Um, but um, there, people... It can happen to you and we're all there to support you when you come home. Well, thank you very much for shouting about it. And thank, thank you, you for talking to me today. Thank you very much for letting me have your couch <laughs> bed forever. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Wendy Wixon. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, I get that a lot. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for talking to us. Um, we can You can find Tara Flynn on? TaraFlynn.ie or Twitter, usually being ranty, but but say nice things to her on Twitter. Send her a virtual oh, hug, please. Do whatever you like. Um, I'll just mute or block you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.